following is a class given by His Holiness Jayapataka Swami Maharaj on June 4th, 1981 at Marari Sevak Farm in Mulberry, Tennessee. The class begins with a reading from the Srimad Bhagavatam, 10th Canto, Chapter 2, Verse 7. Yoga Maya, O my potency, who are worshipable for the entire world and whose nature is to bestow good fortune upon all living entities. Go to Raja, where there live many cowherd men and their wives in that very beautiful land where many cows reside. Rohini, the wife of Vasudeva, is living at the home of Nanda Maharaja. Other wives of Vasudeva are also living there incognito because of fear of Kamsha. Please go there. Report by Nanda Gokula. The residence of King Nanda was itself very beautiful. And when Yoga Maya was ordered to go there and encourage the devotees with fearlessness, it became even more beautiful and safe. Because Yoga Maya had the ability to create such an atmosphere, the Lord ordered her to go to Nanda Gokula. Thus end the purport of text 7 by His Divine Grace, Srila Prabhupada. The basic quality of this world, especially of the animals, is fear. You see any bird, any cow, any dog, any type of animal, they're very apt to become afraid, especially in the wild state when they have no protector. They're very afraid. As soon as you move or look at them, then they immediately become fearful. So, this is a basic quality of animal life, is fear. And practically speaking, although in our modern society there's a big advertisement of so much advancement, people have not become fearless, which means that they have not been able to transcend animal existence. Rather, people's fears may have been solved or to some degree pacified in one area, but in another area they're increasing, in so many areas. People may have been originally afraid. Actually, where has their fears been allayed? That's what I'm trying to consider said maybe, but I can't even think. 
course, they say that like for tuberculosis or for malaria or certain diseases, well, there are vaccines, so the fears are allayed. But then so many other diseases have come. People are practically always afraid of leukemia, cancer, so many type of thrombosis and this and that. So many type of diseases have come up. People are definitely afraid of contacting some disease. Therefore, when they go, especially leave the country, they have to get so many inoculations. Then, of course, before people were always afraid of, in America at least, uh, there was even less of a fear about foreign attack. But now that fear has even grown. And the American people, they're always afraid of when the Russians may attack. This fear is increasing also day by day. So the multi-billion dollar expenditure on defense must be done to help to allay that fear. So, so many fears are there. Fears of uh, not making the ends meet. The different type of fears, these are part of material life that are very prominent animals, but in the human life, they can be actually limited. The fear of death, the fear of death is something which everyone has. Of course, there are some people who are so ignorant that somehow they avoid thinking about it until just at the very moment that some danger comes before them. But this is considered to be very ignorant, very foolish. They say ignorance is bliss. An intelligent person, he considers what is life, what is the goal of life, what is the end of life. And death for him poses a question, why am I working so hard? It's all going to be finished. What is the actual purpose of life? Just like Teddy Roosevelt, president, oh, we're in the Gurukul, they had a book on the president. So when he died, he said, life and death, all part of the great adventure. Something like that. That, uh, of course, death, no one expects. No one expects that they're going to have to leave this body. Uh, so someone who is ignorant, just like a stone or a tree, doesn't think about it, then, of course, for him, there's not that much worry. He doesn't have to fear that. He can just ignore it. But for an intelligent person, the obvious fact that my grandfather has died, that my father has died, and I'm going to die. So what is the actual meaning of life? What is life? What is birth? What is death? What is this world? That consideration comes. So that fear can also be nibbaron. Uh, that fear can be uh, destroyed by nullified by knowledge. Uh, knowledge is real bliss. Ignorance is not real bliss. Ignorance is type of bliss. So 
But in one sense, one who is completely ignorant and one who has knowledge, they're both free from anxiety. One is falsely free just because he's ignoring all the dangers. And the other one is free because of actual knowledge. To not prepare one's borders against the attack of enemy, that type of freedom from fear would be simply utopian. At the same time, simply to go on fearing without taking necessary steps would also be considered to be foolish. So the wise thing is if there's a fear, there's a danger, then one should prepare for it. So what seems to be a great anachronism is that while all the other fears, everyone takes precaution, why no one is taking precaution about the fear, uh, the danger which is looming before us, we have to leave this body. That is the great mystery. And although everyone knows that there's a number one danger, anyone may escape from any danger, but who has escaped from death? Yet they don't think how to cross over or how to, uh, what is the actual nature of all this? So this is a maya or illusion. And this Krishna conscious movement is meant to give them factual knowledge. As we sing, Bhajahure manna sri nanda nandana bhaya charanara bindare. Bajahure manasi nanda nandana. Avhoya charanara bindare. Fearless. Shri Prabhupada's name, A.C. Avhoya charanara Named after that. So, one becomes really fearless when he becomes fixed in Krishna consciousness. Because he knows that all the basic mysteries of life, who he is, where he is, where he's going, how to avoid the difficulties of life. And the devotee becomes fearless. Not the type of fearlessness that the materialist has, like sleeping, but an actual fearlessness. Hmm. So, actual fearlessness is needed. Everyone wants to be actually free from fear. So this is described here that Yoga Maya, Krishna's internal energy, she has the ability to create an atmosphere free from fear. She was ordered to go to Gokula, the residence of Krishna's father, Nanda Gokula, to create such an atmosphere and encourage the devotees. Similarly, if we chant Hare Krishna, we serve Krishna, we can create a proper environment and Mother uh, Subhadra Devi, Mother Yogamaya, she then will create in that place an atmosphere of fearlessness, an atmos- atmosphere where people can, uh, in a harmonious way, serve Krishna. In fact, that is seen person may be materially beautiful, but that material beauty always has some defect, and actually it lacks a luster. Uh, but when uh, devotional service is added, then one becomes actually beautiful. 
Because one is in the shelter of Yoga Maya, one is under the shelter of Krishna, connection with Krishna. Srila Prabhupada, he was so kind to bring this message to the West uh, with the purpose of making the people fearless. When he landed in, uh, one time he sent me a newspaper clipping from Melbourne, Melbourne or Sydney, I forget now, the age, maybe someone knows whether the age is the Melbourne paper, probably Melbourne, the age from Australia. And uh, the headline was, uh, Swamiji has come to hound us. Big headline. And the subheading was, to save us from a cat and dog's life. It's a very big newspaper, as big as the number one newspaper in, it was the headline. Number one newspaper in Australia, in that city. It's the biggest city in Australia. So, Prabhupada explained that when he arrived there, he told the people. They asked him, Swamiji, why you have come? Why you have come from India, as a poor country, so on and so forth? Why you have come? He said, I have come to save you from a cat and dog's life. A cat and dog's life? How was that? He says, well, cat is eating, you are eating. Cat is sleeping, you are sleeping. Cat is uh, having sex, you're having sex. Cat and dog is uh, fighting, you are having your war machinery. Where's the difference? And they laugh, they like that very much. I said, yeah, there's no difference. She said, there is a difference. I've come to save you from that by giving you actual knowledge. They have a good sense of humor in Australia. The Prabhupada, he was uncompromising. And actually he simply wanted people to become fearless. To actually make people fearless. To make, to make them free from the anxiety. You see. But someone may say that, well, but your devotee have left, or even your spiritual master, that that is the cause of grief for you. How, uh, how can you say that devotees' lives are free from grief? But, of course, when the spiritual master leaves, the devotee cries. Uh, but that crying is actually of a different nature very hard to explain to these people that actually the devotee's grief is not real grief, the separation that he feels from the spiritual master, from other Vaishnavas, is actually something which is very transcendental and very, at the same time as one is feeling a separation, uh, is feeling a, a type of satisfaction or closeness to that person. This could be demonstrated. You know about Srinivas Acharya. Lord Chaitanya, when he left, then most of his associates left very quickly. They, they couldn't take the separation. There were a few associates left. <laughs> Rupa Sanatan quickly left. And uh, Srinivas Acharya, Bhagadadhar Prabhu quickly left. After a short time, Nityananda Advaita, after a few years, they all left. 
within a few years' time, most everybody had gone. So Srinivas Acharya was a disciple of, uh, he, wanted, he was the son of Chaitanya Das. And he wanted to uh, study the Bhagavatam under bona fide spiritual master. So of course the, the great uh, ordeal and the trial he went through to finally reach uh, Gopal Bhatta Goswami who became his spiritual master. Is of course a great history and an epic in itself. So Srinivas Acharya, of course, was the first one to bring the books, the Gaudiya Vaishnavas, to uh, distribute them amongst the general devotees. Krishna Das Kaviraj had written the Chaitanya Charitamrita, and uh, other books were written by these other Goswamis, and so those were all being taken by Srinivas Acharya to uh, distribute amongst the eastern states. Bengal, Orissa were all the principal devotees of Lord Chaitanya were at that time, and to have them duplicated there in Navadip by the Pandits. And in those days, the printing procedure was by hand, so it was a very tedious thing. So he was a contemporary of the son of Nityananda, Birbhadra Prabhu, and uh, Narottam Das Thakur and uh, Shamananda Pandit were intimate associates. Intimate associates. The three of them actually brought the books together from Vrindavan to the eastern states, but main city Vasacharya was responsible. Ramchandra Kaviraj, who was a dear friend of Narutam Das Thakur, was also the disciple of Srinivas Acharya. So, in this way, a very intimate relation. Although they were contemporary, sometimes they would preach together and sometimes they would separate and then preach in their own areas. Some areas were contiguous and some were different. So what happened was there was a devotee called Dvija Harida who was a very great devotee of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And uh, Narahari, who was a direct associate of Lord Chaitanya also, we always sing every night in the kirtan, Kiva Jaya Jaya, Kiva Narahari Adhikari Tamarasulaya used to fan with the Chamar, Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So he'd already disappeared and practically there was hardly any devotees left, but one of the few devotees that was left was Dvija Haridas in Vrindavana. He was in Vrindavana. So when the news came that he'd also finished up his pastimes and gone, and just about the same time, Gadadhar Das, Narahari, they'd just gone a little before. It was a very big uh, loss for the whole Vaishnava world at that time. So, having spent some time in Vrindavan knowing the qualities of Dvijahari Das, especially, that previously had a festival for Gadahar Das and Narahari, then uh, Srinivas decided that there should be a big samelan, a big gathering of all the Vaishnavas in, in the commemoration of Dvijahari Das. So, at that time, all the Vaishnavas were called 
invited all the great preachers and uh, Birbhadra, the son of Nityananda, he came, Raghunandan, they all came to Srikando, the place where Narahari used to live, Chiranjeev, Raghunandan, all these associates of Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Some, two of the sons of Nityananda, I believe Krishna, Mr. Gopal, Mr. they came, uh, excuse me, of uh, Dwaita. And like there's so many different associates came. Yadunandan, Acharya, I believe was there. So many. Hundreds and hundreds. About, about actually, direct disciples of the Parshads and the Parshads themselves, about a hundred or more came. And then general public, regular devotees who wanted to see them, have the darshan of the, there was literally hundred thousand packed up, just everyone came. So when they came and Srinivasacharya, he greeted them all and uh, they were having uh, several days non-stop kirtans and Bhagavatam classes and just a whole like a parikram taking prasadam together, and all the people were gathering. So then one night, Virabhadra Prabhu, uh, he had a kirtan began with his associates, and he started to dance. Of course, Virabhadra himself is Kirudakshari Vishnu. And uh, Virabhadra was a tremendous preacher. I mean, sometimes, just as a, one time the, the Mohammedan ruler went into a village and then so-called, you know, converted about hundred uh, Hindus to Mohammedan. And then Virabhadra uh, heard about it, went there, and he initiated a thousand Mohammedans into Vaishnavi Dharma. <laughs> he was very, uh, very strong preacher. Performed many miracles also, being a Vishnu avatar. So he began dancing, and naturally, just like Nityananda was, but his dancing while Chaitanya was always present, well, Birabhadra's dancing, you can imagine, was something which was beyond this world. So his dancing in Kirtan, the people all gathered around to see, and the other associates, they became all filled with a deep uh, ecstasy. And then he started to praise the qualities of Dvija Haridas, and started to say, where is Goranga, where is Nityananda? Where is Advaita? Where is Godadhara? Where we will find Srivast? Where is uh, Vasudev Ghosh, Govinda Ghosh? Where is Narahari, Godadhara Das? Uh, where is Rupa and Sanatana, Sarup, Ramananda Rai? In this way, they were all submerged into a, into a uh, separation. Where is Dvija Haridas? When will we see the Lord and all his associates together? Together in the big Mahasankirtan. When will we get the association of these great devotees again? And then the, pe- the devotees, they just became mad in separation. They started just weeping and crying and pounding their, and just pounding their heads and they, fell on the ground unconscious and conscious and just crying. And, and this way, Srinivas saw that the whole mood became practically, everybody was crying. The people were watching, they all started crying. 
Literally thousands of they all started crying in separation that how unfortunate all of these great souls are left. We're here all alone. All of a sudden, how it happened, no one knows. But uh, Krishna, by his inconceivable potency, the whole mood went from that deep separation, that, that complete absorption in, in the separation of all these great Vaishnavas, it suddenly changed. And everyone, all these devotees, they became jubilant. And uh, just, just the whole mood suddenly changed by uh, some inconceivable power of Krishna. And then everyone, and the kirtan changed and everyone started jumping up and down and laughing and, and, uh, and calling to each other and uh, became filled with, uh, with uh, a whole other mood of ecstasy. And uh, this kirtan went on before they knew it, the sun was rising. So the kirtan had gone the whole night and no one even knew that uh, how the time was going. So since it had gone the whole night, then everyone attended the Mangalarti of the deity Lord Chaitanya that Narahari established. And uh, in this way, the people were also praising in so many ways how fortunate they were to be present at that time. So the devotees are feeling some transcendental mood of separation. But uh, you see that how the mood, uh, even ones in that pits of so-called pits or depths of separation within a distance of moment, that can be transformed into a, another type of ecstasy because one is actually going into the flow of uh, the yoga maya's eternal ecstatic uh, ocean of devotion. Tumayit para para sunda govir bhakti rasa sindhu Tumayit chakaite amiko hiyako bindu In the middle of the ocean, tidal wave is only six inches, but the whole ocean right down to the very bottom is moving. It shifted because of some tremendous shock, tidal shock, earthquake shock or something. That's the meaning of tidal wave. The whole ocean is, you see, shifted and it's just moving like that. Ordinary waves are just on the surface. Uh, so that type of a shift may only, in the middle of the ocean, create a six-inch or one-foot wave. One and a half, just a big ship, just... Hardly notice it. But it's going right from the top down to the bottom. And when that comes up to the shore and then the depth becomes less, then it turns into a huge wave. So in the shallow water, some people may show so many symptoms, of course, because Prabhupada was right from the top down to the very depth of spiritual uh, realization. So we could only see the little surface symptom, but actually it was going so deep. Someone without such a depth of realization, he may show more of a wave on the surface, and that goes so deep. So see, the Prabhupada has that complete depth. So, of course, people externally, they can't understand. Either they see, oh, I think he's very serious, 
Externally, you can understand. Even there's a story about, uh, just like I remember, Chutananda Maharaj told me how I was in India, and there was this one Sahajya. You know Sahajya? Sahajya means someone, just like we keep telling you about transcendental ecstasy. So sometimes some people say, well, transcendental ecstasy, why wait? So they just start imitating, laughing or crying for Krishna, without actually letting it come spontaneously. So in so doing, one actually will experience some shadow symptoms with it. Actually, by if you imitate crying for Krishna, that will also feel different than ordinarily crying, because somehow it's in connection with Krishna. But it's all, it's uh, not the real thing. It's just a shadow. Well, there was this one professional guru, and he was to read the Bhagavatam. While he was reading, of course, he would always be crying. And therefore, hundreds, uh, thousands of people, they would gather and give him donations. Bigger, like a, like a, a, a Hindu evangelist. So he would convince the people by crying. So Chutananda went to see him off stage. And, uh, when he went there, then he saw that, uh, there the person, he had, he, when he read the Bhagavatam, he'd be like this, and then there would be two people, one on either side, instead of the chama, they'd have these, uh, these, uh, little napkins. And they would go like this, you know, and very dramatically wipe the tear off, you know, so everyone, you know, it's like in case no one saw it in the back of the place, you know, they could just, you know, the guy would go and kind of wipe it off from a distance. Everyone could see that what was happening from two sides. It was a regular, and it constantly the tears would be. So when he went back there, he saw the first, as soon as he got backstage, just right behind him, as soon as he followed, he went, and he went, whew, pulled the chilies out of his nose. <laughs> you know, and then they go. So there are all kinds of people. If you put two little chilies in, you know, no doubt that the, I don't know how he kept from sneezing. That was the real city. So, uh, Srila Prabhupada, of course, was, is a very Vaishnava sister. You thought you, Vaishnava was supposed to keep his sentiments, uh, confidential as far as possible. Sometimes looking grave, that's the only way one can stop from uh, revealing different type of symptoms, which would not be appropriate. Of course, people don't realize what is a real standard of happiness. A real happiness is complete, right down to the depth of one's heart. So, all this type of good fortune, being fearless, having a nice facility of... Uh, happiness, even material life, and complete satisfaction of the self, all this is possible by Yogamaya. But who is Yogamaya giving that shelter to? She's giving that shelter to those who are the devotees of Krishna. Daiva prakriti asritam. Those who are under the protection of the divine nature. Yogamaya, those are the, the Mahatmas, or the great souls who are surrendered to Krishna. If one wants to get that divine shelter, then one has to surrender to Krishna. And, uh, of course, 
then one will become more and more mad after Krishna. But he shouldn't be afraid that, oh, there'll be uh, some type of uh, misery and separation, or I'll become attached. Just like nowadays, the uh, people, they want to have sense gratification with no attachment. They don't want any attachment, because they know when attachment grows, then also there's so many types of pain. The people, they just meet on the street and go, and they have their relations, and then they don't even reveal each other's names, and they depart. Just no attachment. There should just be unattached sense gratification. This is the latest uh, mood. Maybe not the latest, but one of the later moods. Because people see that, oh, not good to be attached. Uh, but if one is attached to Krishna, uh, that is very good. And even if one thinks that, well, then I'll feel bad because I won't be able to I'll immediately see Krishna, I'll become uh, separated from my spiritual master. But someone who actually tastes that feeling of devotion to the spirit, he would not trade that for a billion dollars, for anything material, even liberation. Because along with that comes the knowledge that this relationship is real. All the other relationships were superficial. Therefore, they were not satisfying. Even to be in separation is satisfying. In separation, there's union of a different kind. And by separation, when one does unite with the loved one, then that is hundred times, so many times more ecstatic or fulfilling. Uh, this was revealed also that Lord Krishna, he leaves the residence of Vrindavan so that when he again rejoins them, then they'll, so that actually their ecstasy is increased. And when he does join with them again, they're even more uh, satisfied. Actually, he never leaves them. He just becomes invisible. But he's actually with them in the form of transcendental bhava, bhava expansion. So, we should try to become more and more absorbed in Krishna and the spiritual master's qualities. All it takes is simply uh, meditation, glorification, listening. It's not something one has to artificially uh, impose. It's contagious. It's very contagious. Simply if one hears again and again about the glories of Krishna from pure devotees, he'll become attached more and more. Can't help it. You stay near the fire, then you'll become hotter and hotter. We just have to be careful that we don't leave the fire by any means. That will be very undesirable. Krishna says, Name bhakto chaturvedhi mad bhakto priya. That even someone who knows all the Vedas, who's not Krishna's devotee, he's not very favorite of Krishna. Krishna finds even someone who's born in the family of the dog-eaters, but who is his devotee, as uh, most dear to him. And whatever he gives, that should be accepted, as, as if Krishna was giving it. That's how 
dear Krishna's devotees are to him. So one doesn't have to concern himself with what I was before, I'm too fallen and too unworthy, no. Somehow or another, if one can connect himself with the lotus feet of Krishna, has to tie up the lotus feet of Krishna. How? Just clinging to the feet of Nitaigawar. Clinging. Then his life will be perfect. Doesn't matter what he was before, how many defects he may have had or didn't have. By their mercy, one can reach that highest pinnacle of spiritual realization and complete satisfaction and good fortune. So one should begin clinging by chanting very regularly and sincerely, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare. And using as much of one energy for Krishna consciousness as possible. Thank you very much. Any questions? Have to become a fish. As long as you're swimming on the surface, then it's very difficult. But you have to become a deep water fish and dive deep into it to become a deep fish. Well, Chaitanya gave a basic program in the Shikshashtakam, his eight slokas. His Maya, she's also casting her net on the surface. But if one is a deep fish, you go deep, deep, far below the nets of Maya, being very humble, very determined. Always more humble than a straw in the street, more tolerant than the tree, always ready to offer respect to others and not desiring respect to oneself, one can constantly chant the Hare Krishna Mahamantra. So in this mood, one stays deep in the ocean of transcendental nectar, cultivating onya, bilashita sunna, devotion. Deep in the ocean, deep in that ocean, there's nothing but that pure Krishna consciousness. Uh, but if one has other obilashas, desires, then of course he surfaces. And then there's a the danger of being caught by the nets of maya. So one has to cultivate onyavilashita sunya bhakti. Desireless devotion to experience the high... If one sees it, I have other desires. And I have not yet been able to dovetail these desires in Krishna consciousness. Why aren't I tasting the highest ecstasy? He's not being sincere with himself. He can know. So long as I have these other desires, I will only be able to just taste a small fraction of Krishna consciousness. Well, maybe even then be able to experience something about Krishna consciousness because 
Lord Chaitanya is so powerful. And by practicing, one will gradually transcend those desires if he wants to transcend them, even a little bit. Then it will be very fast. But when we are harboring so many other different type of desires, so our mind is absorbed, not in Krishna, but in so many other desires, and then we wonder, why I'm not getting that deep realization? People in that state, the only way they could get such a deep realization is by kripasiddhi. It's like when Minikitam Ram would walk up to people and touch them with his flute and they would start crying and laughing and ecstasy and chanting Hare Krishna. Apart from such type of alokic or just uncommon mercy, one would, generally speaking, have to gradually or immediately give up the desire for other things. Even someone may be in a certain situation, uh, which may appear to be uh, materialistically uh, entangled. But if his desire is that, oh, Somehow, if I could just be completely Krishna conscious, if I could somehow just, this is not at all what I want to be. You see, that, that desire itself, uh, he may, he may actually taste the, the, uh, a deeper realization about Krishna consciousness. But someone who even superficially appears to be very renounced, very, uh, absorbed in the, uh, spiritual environment, but mentally, it's contemplating on the objects of the senses that still has so many desires other than Krishna conscious uh, to be fulfilled. He's got longer to go. Everyone does not immediately... Some people, what happens is that they can immediately see that except Krishna consciousness. Nothing except the holy name, nectar, that's actually worth desiring. Either by seeing that other people are all miserable, even they have all type of material facilities, or by seeing that uh, how the devotees are always, uh, those who are advanced devotees are always ecstatic. Or by whatever, you may come some by reading the Shastra, by hearing the histories of great Mahajana, somehow this realization may come to him. You see. So that person, of course, he he's, uh, doesn't have any obstacles ahead of him. He's understood. But some other people, they're such uh, less intelligent that they have to experience for themselves being uh, entangled by maya and what is the actual misery of that pursuit of happiness. And the right to pursuit of happiness. Pursuit of happiness, right to pursuit happiness means the right to get kicked by maya. So Krishna also gives that right, pursuit of happiness, but recommends that one should do it with some regulated principle. So at least that way, one will be able to have a controlled 
pursuit of happiness, material happiness, which will be a will be a limited kicking, but it'll be enough that one will be able to realize that except for Krishna's holy name, there's nothing in this world worth desiring. And some people may realize that by their and be able to maintain that uh, faith or that determination by Krishna's mercy some, just by hearing about it. Other people, they have to go through the a little more direct perception to be able to control their mind. Their mind doesn't have the strength to just uh, maintain by hearing that realization has come. It has to be sincere. And then, if one maintains, however, very strictly his Krishna consciousness chanting, then in the midst of those difficulties, if he continues serving Krishna and dovetailing everything he can to Krishna consciousness, following the instructions of the spiritual master, then uh, the uh, realization should come, which will create anyabhilashi. The goal is you have to get desireless devotion. So that will automatically come if one perse uh, perseveres in serving. And they're the different, there's like the direct roots and then there's the little more indirect roots. You can understand what I mean. Each person may be different. What amount of material? Some people they've already suffered so much in even a short life that they're already completely determined that no look back, Krishna all the way. See. Others like what's that one girl in the Bible? She. Sodom and Gomorrah, she wasn't supposed to look back at the city. She looked back and turned into a salt pillar. Yeah. Although we enter Krishna consciousness, we're always looking back at what, what have we missed. So that facility is there that if one can't keep looking straight ahead, that in Krishna consciousness, there are different facilities for material life. If one can just always keep his face to Krishna. But even Arjuna said, I can't do that. So tell me something. And he said, well, do it by regulation. Undeviatingly, just looking, just always be fixed in Krishna. Even Arjuna said, it's not possible for me. Very difficult to do that. He was a man of action. So if one is humble and always determined to fix his mind on Krishna in whatever circumstance, then he can stay deep in the ocean of bhakti and the maya can't catch him with her net. But if one becomes proud, forgets that uh, Krishna's mercy is the only shelter. Then Maya will catch him. He'll be kicked. 
him, her, whoever. to the other woman, and she became attracted to that man. So in this way, 
None of them were attracted to the person who was attracted to them, and they were all attracted to the person who couldn't care less about the other person. And so they were in the, they were in hell. They were in hell, and the door was locked. And then it just as it took a long as, until they developed all these kind of perverse attractions to each other. Then the door opened, and they could leave if they wanted. But they were so attached to each other. At the same time, they could never satisfy because uh, you know this weird situation. So they they couldn't leave either. No change, and they were just. This was a. That was the end of the short story. The door opened, and they could leave, and they didn't leave. At the same time, they were in hell, and they created the hell for themselves. So, of course, that's the material. The material door. There it is. Anyone can leave and become Krishna conscious, but they're all tied up with so many different attachments. Similarly, the door for Krishna consciousness is open. But why we want to jump in? But then it seems so many things are pulling us not to jump in. Well, what about this? What about that? So, Krishna consciousness and Krishna's mercy was such that uh, when one did jump in, he would give the mercy. One had to jump in. Without jumping in, you couldn't get that mercy. And so. Of course, it was difficult. Even they want to jump in, it's very difficult sometimes because so many different things are there. But Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is so kind that just if one wants to jump in, sincerely, and chants his name, chants Hare Krishna, prays for the uh, mercy, then somehow or another one will actually find oneself in at one point or other by their mercy. How they got in, that will be a mystery, possibly. That will be known that that was the mercy of Lord Chaitanya. And one has to try to jump in. Desire means, you know, oh, I want to jump in. I want to jump in. But, you know, it will also take a practical manifestation. You want to graduate from college. You don't just sit there and say, I want to graduate from college. you got to study. Go to class. Pass your exam. At least sit for your exam. There's a desire to pass university, a person has to go through, you know, he'll show that. Similarly, if there's a desire to dive in, at least some attempt will be made. He may not be able to dive in. may fall on the beach, dump in, but only get, you know, get his head in the sand, whatever. But that some attempt will be there. And... uh, by chanting, by serving Lord Chaitanya and his movement, uh, and actually desiring to be completely Krishna conscious, that one becomes Krishna conscious. Which is ordinarily that wouldn't be one would be has to practically be completely surrendered to Krishna, and then one can get Krishna's mercy. Wasn't enough in Krishna Lila that one wanted to be or admired it or liked it. Krishna didn't so easily give that. But Lord Chaitanya, even if one sincerely desires, Nityananda, Premananda Sukhi, Kipakora Ami Bolo Dukhi. So there are many different methods for getting some special consideration. Narottam Tas Thakur is a in his prayer, the Lord Chaitanya, that you are the most kind, you are the 
deliverer the fallen. So there's no one more fallen than me. Therefore, Lord Chaitanya, you are delivering all the fallen souls. So I am the most fallen. So therefore, I deserve to be delivered first. Please deliver me first. I am priority case. You're delivering all the fallen, so I am the most fallen. And you're delivering the... Uh, Therefore, mine is a priority case. I should get delivered first. In this way, the devotee prays to Lord Chaitanya, the previous acharyas, accepts uh, the situations of serving with tolerance and humility, and goes on in the devotional service, always hoping to get Krishna's mercy, always hoping. Very patiently, enthusiastically. If one doesn't immediately get, doesn't be, lose his patience. Doesn't lose her patience. Doesn't lose the patience that one has. He's always hoping. When will I get that mercy? Lord Chaitanya says, I can get it at any moment. And like that, uh, one will get the mercy. The thing is that we don't hope for Lord Chaitanya's mercy. Because sometimes we may look back and realize that actually somehow I failed to jump in or I failed to get the mercy. But the thing we have to see is that we have to maintain that continuous hope for that mercy. A continuous desire. If we have developed gradually unbroken desire, even Someone may practically fail at certain points. But even in that failure, the overriding mood will be that actually, somehow I got into this mess, but all I want is Krishna consciousness. All I want is that mercy of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Even the senses may somehow get out of control or something like that may happen. Uh, then as soon as one comes back to sense, realizes, you know, what's actually happened or whatever, then uh, desires, that immediately if the desires actually, I just want to, I just want to get the mercy of Jesus. And praise to the previous Acharya, to the uh, previous Acharyas, the great devotees, Lord Chaitanya, for their mercy, and then continues trying Otherwise, one has to actually become honest. Even one may be a little weak or unqualified, but at least, at least honest. You see, then one can become uh, very quickly the recipient of Lord Nityananda and Lord Chaitanya's mercy. But Chaitanya had the renounced devotees and he had the Bihasa devotees. He gave his mercy to both, to everyone. But of course, like Junior Hari does, because he was an insincere renounced devotee, so he was uh, rejected. Of course, that was to show an example, but because being rejected, he felt so deeply the shock of being separated from Lord Chaitanya.
So even he was ultimately, of course, delivered because he felt the shock so greatly. So the thing is that connecting our our consciousness with Lord Chaitanya's lotus feet by this constant desire. If that desire is there, then one is brought to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu very quickly. So that desire is manifested by serving, by chanting, by pushing on some horn of it. There's never a point where if one's sincerely trying that Lord Chaitanya rejects that devotee. He really makes so many mistakes. Of course, if someone is too far, one may not be able to live in a society of devotees. But still, Lord Chaitanya won't reject that devotee's service. Whatever service is offered, sincerely. And surely that person will reach Chaitanya Mahaprabhu eventually. So if someone thinks that I'm not able to dive in, so therefore why I shouldn't desire it? Since I can dive in, so then what's the use? See, that, that's Dwarpa Yuga. With Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, I can dive in. I'm trying to dive in, but somehow every time I dive in, I find my leg, leg is tied to this rope and I go to dive and it pulls me back. But actually, if one is actually trying to dive in, even they may have all these different types of actually, that desire of wanting to dive in and actually always trying to dive in, even when we may not be immediately able to dive in. And uh, chanting and desiring the mercy of Lord Chaitanya Nityananda. That is enough to ultimately one finds, disla- finds oneself in the ocean. Practically Lord Chaitanya throws you in eventually. Or the spiritual master's representative throws you in. So one shouldn't lose hope that, oh, because I'm not able to dive in. But actually the hope itself, that desire, anakure mone asa. Don't desire other things. That's what we pray every morning to the spiritual master. Don't let me desire other things. Don't let me put... Asa means actually hope. Don't let me make any hope in any other request. If we can put all our hopes in Krishna consciousness, then that will be our greatest fortune. And by doing that, then by Krishna's mystic power, which is unlimited, Lord Chaitanya's mystic power, mercy of the spiritual master, one will actually become advanced. More so even than someone not Nami Bhakta Chaturvedi, one may know the whole Vedas, he may know Bhagavatams, slope by slope. But if he doesn't desire actually to be Krishna conscious, doesn't desire to actually please Krishna by his existence, you see, then he's not so dear to Krishna. But someone even he's maybe a, a dog eater, but he desires, I want to please Krishna. I want to satisfy Krishna by my life by my activity. Somehow I want to be devotee of Krishna. 
Well, that means he is a devotee of Krishna. Even he may not be even then so pure. But that person is dear to Krishna. Then Samara, he knows all the Vedas, he knows all the intricacies. But actually, he doesn't really want to serve Krishna. In devotional service, we get right down to this. Actually, of course, we preach to everyone, chant Hare Krishna, everything like that. When you get down, you want to get down, you want the more subtle thing, it comes right down to the desire, to the hope, to the, which is thinking, feeling, thinking, willing, and feeling. Thinking, feeling, willing. The willing. And it gets to the willing aspect. The more subtle. That is what's needed. Some people think and some people feel very nice. One who's actually desiring, I want to become Krishna conscious. And they just try. Try, try, try again. So many stories of the little choo-choo train. The the rabbit, the hare and and the tortoise. Who finishes the race there in Swayed Weep in Lord Chaitanya's abode? He's the winner. So does not have to be won. Everyone can go. If someone may make a quick spurt, look back, oh, I'm ahead of everybody else. Take a little vacation here. Before you know it, everyone else is already <laughs> sailed ahead. Till the race is over, we can't let up. When sun reaches the eternal dam, then, of course, nāpnuvanti mahātmānam saṅsiding panam gata One doesn't return again. Until then, one doesn't have the right to be careless. That's a false pride. The pride is the forerunner of defeat. Fall down, what's the name saying again? A little success. We got the spiritual master may praise us a little bit or something. We think that actually, or we get a little bit, we may experience suddenly a little spurt of uh, ecstasy or something and we think we've already made it. Then we become somehow lax again and get in trouble. So until one actually gets pure Krishna consciousness, so that means realizes the eternal Dham and Krishna directly, which at which time then one doesn't fall into ignorance because one's too mad in love for Krishna to do so. So one has to be careful with his intelligence, with one's intelligence, not to become proud, not to become careless, not to become hopeless, Upadeshamrita gives nice instruction on this. The spiritual master is present, and of course one can ask the spiritual master. Otherwise, take shelter of older 
God Brothers, Senior God Brothers, to, uh, that's the meaning of association. I know before I do any type of new service, I always like to discuss with uh, Senior Vaishnavas and get their opinion also, just to be sure. Uh, since they are, since they are there, fortunately enough, they usually give their approval, but they also sometimes add new dimensions because Krishna is unlimited. So one can see part of Krishna, and yet there are so many other parts yet to be seen. Someone else may see some other parts. In this way, Krishna is unlimited. No one can claim that he knows the whole truth. Even someone realizes Krishna, but still, Krishna is unlimited. He may realize only one part of Krishna. Or he will see, that person will see certain qualities, which another will see even other qualities. And this way, the devotees can continue discussing about Krishna without any end, because each devotee is having new and newer realizations from different, uh, you can say, different angles. Because Krishna is unlimited. In this regard, if you read the description of the Gundicha Marjanam, the purport of Bhakti Siddhanta, which is dealing, you know, with first of all, one take, picks up all the leaves and the twigs, well, Lord, Lord Chaitanya picked them up, and then cleaned them in his own cloth, then they swept with brooms and they washed with water. And they came in, and finally with a little nail, fingernails, or with other twigs or something, they would pick out the cracks of the stone, all the dust that was still in there. So it's not really that subtle, subtle miles come, but it's like first after you've cleaned all the twigs and branches, you go back and see, well, there's still some dust on the floor. Then you sweep it, and then you see, well, even after we swept it, still there's like... You know, what can't be swept is, you know, and you wash it. And even after washing, then in the cracks, then in the purport, the Prabhupada explained that, like this, a devotee cleans, and so one has to keep cleaning. When one gets down to the crack, that means that even devotee at that point has completely given up all desire for fruitive activity. Yet the aroma, in other words, that so you are right, so you've given up the desire, but the habit is there from so long to think fruitively and to act fruitively, to think of profit and loss. And that uh, if one acts or even thinks that, well, let me do some type of uh, business for Krishna, that uh, the danger is there that uh, because of the habit is already, it's like, they're so strong, even though you're, because you're doing the same activity that, that is, uh, so dangerous, that then one can again become, uh, fruitively involved. So one has to be careful and understand all these things and then, if properly dovetailed everything, then we see that somebody devotes, I want to do a business for Krishna, and then what happens, they do the business, 
Then they make some money and they say, well, actually, I can't give any money to Krishna now because they have to reinvest it, you know, first of all. And then, you know, build up a little capital and it goes on like that. And then, you know, before you know it, after about three years, it still hasn't given any money to Krishna. Falling down from regular principles. And then, you know. It happens like that sometimes. So, Of course, if one, the desire to do business for Krishna, of course, the Grihastha has to do business. If one does business and actually gives the uh, fruits to Krishna, knowing that uh, how dangerous the fruitive activity is, that uh, if one does a type of profitable work and doesn't give the fruits to Krishna, that the danger of becoming again uh, attached to profit the whole material fruitive uh, mood again may pollute him. So you see in the great devotees of Lord Chaitanya that they were very careful. Most of them were grihastas. They were very careful when doing their business to to give, uh, of course in those days they would give 50% of their income to Krishna or to worshipping the Ganges or to the Vaishnavas or something. <coughs> to give a strict amount, taking that whatever comes is by Krishna's mercy. Even today in India you find people come and they, they pray to Lord Jagannath that uh, if, you, if you make my business a success, I'll give you half. <laughs> and so then they get a little success, maybe they go and give half to Jagannath, and then they get more and more like this, they build it up. Him as their partner. And there's even a story how, there's even a very popular play how someone prayed like that, and then what happened is then uh, he didn't give the half. And then Krishna came by and said, I saw a movie actually, and then a movie how Krishna came and said, Where's my half? <laughs> I'll give it to you, but just just a little, you know, little later. And it went on like that. <laughs> Some concocted okay. But uh, they have that idea that, you know, like, you give half to Krishna, even the regular karmis. And so this he kept putting Krishna off, and so finally in the end when he didn't give, then Krishna took everything away. I didn't see that I heard about it. That was pretty funny. <laughs> he prayed to the deity, so then he didn't explain. The deity kept coming, either in dream or personally, and finally he didn't pay up. He took it off. <laughs> Of course, Krishna doesn't have to come to collect person. Ordinary people don't have that fortune. You see, in Gaudiagana's poor, you see the big red flag sometimes on top of the temple? Someone promises that uh, if, I, if this happens, then I'll put a red flag on the temple. Which is which is not so easy as it looks because to climb up on top of the Jagannathpuri temple and put the flag is there's no it's not like there's no lift <laughs> there's not an inside stairway you have to climb up the yeah and there's not even any like loops you know to hold you on well they hire somebody to do it but people have not come back.
what happens is we clean up once and then we think, well, just like we picked up all the things that came out, dumped it outside, and then we come back and we look a little closer and say, oh, and you sweep. Lunita Marjan is very good for devotees to read. Very nice instructions there. Yeah.